coming up tonight from Los Angeles. It's the Dodgers and the Giants in a series so far. I mean, we wanted five. Good chance it still gets to five. Right now the series tied at one after uh, the two games Friday and Saturday. Great atmosphere in San Francisco. Giants got a, what, 4 nothing win Friday night. When we talked to Dave Fleming, Giants announcer last Friday, one of his keys to the series, he thought, was the long ball. Really, for both teams, they're both very good at it. And maybe who wins the home run ledger might win this series. Well, the Giants, if we just go to Friday's game, Posey. I mean, what a start to get Posey to homer in the first. You had one with uh, Bryant and Crawford. So 3 nothing in the homer department, 4 nothing in the game. And Webb was just great, right? Logan Webb was awesome on Friday night. So then you get to Saturday, and, you know, the game's just kind of hovering around there for a while. Every opportunity in that game is, you know, it's either team's game. Dodgers strike first with a 2-0 lead, but it's 2-1 in that game. Gets into the sixth inning, and, you know, Urias had the big hit. You don't count on that from the Dodgers, but 2-1, every opportunity still at that point, and here was the turning point of the game. Let's just hope it's not the turning point of the series. And a fly ball to center field. Well hit on its way, and it's off the base of the wall. Turner scores. Will Smith comes in to score. Bellinger delivers, and the Dodgers take a 4-1 to lead. Yeah, it was Charlie Steiner there on the Dodgers radio network. They'd add a couple more in the inning. The, uh, the Giants, though, responded with the run in the bottom of the sixth to make it 6-2, and then a big throw by Betts. Um, getting that out at third, I think, was it was just a critical play because it felt like maybe the Giants might be rallying for even more. And to keep it at that four-run lead, then the next couple runs obviously went to the uh, Dodgers, and they win it 9-2. to two. So two games have been played. It's 1-1. Again, we said before this series started, this is incredibly even between the two teams. Um, on paper, I like the starting pitching for the Dodgers a little bit better. The hottest pitcher, though, right now, is Logan Webb. He's been amazing. You got Gossman, who pitched well enough, I think, for chunks of that game to win it for the Giants. The offense just didn't respond. And then today, I like the matchup personally better for the Dodgers with Scherzer going in game three. But in a one-game scenario, in this spot, if the Giants could get home field back, how critical would that be? How great would that be for San Francisco today? Uh, Lineup changes today as the uh, lineups were released earlier today. Obviously, um, the Giants, a lot of uh, familiar names are in the regular spots. Really, the main change is going to be Albert Pujols is in instead of Bellinger. So Bellinger now is a bat that's coming off the bench for Dave Roberts. And you got to believe there'll be a high leverage situation with the bullpen that they can now go to Bellinger and he could either bat for Pujols or somewhere else in the lineup for a pitcher and get inserted at that point. And Bellinger is a guy that obviously had just an awful year, just a terrible year. But I know the last couple of weeks he's been swinging a little bit better, has had some better approaches, and even in the wild card game had some influence in that game with a uh, big hit, a couple stolen bases. He had the big hit we just played right there in game two. So he's one to watch coming off the bench. Uh, as far as the Giants, it'll be Lastella, Yastrzemski, and Posey, uh, Crawford, Bryant, and Wade. Um, then Longoria and Steven Duggar will bat eight. Uh, of course, Wood will be the pitcher um, and batting ninth. For the Dodgers, Scherzer's 
Uh, got a pitch today. He'll bat ninth. They'll go with Betts. Trey Turner is batting second with Seager third. Justin Turner, uh, Taylor, then Pollock, and then they go to Pujols and Will Smith and then Scherzer. So this series, I think the way it's gone so far, nothing too telling, nothing too um, where it feels like a mistake has been made to dictate the terms of this. Not yet. I think it's an opportunity here that to see two good teams play here, to play even. And tonight you, you want to see where this will swing into the advantage of someone to be up 2-1, to put that other team on the brink of elimination. And then what hasn't, to my knowledge, been decided yet, and I think both managers are, are waiting here to see, um, kind of out of necessity, who is the team that's going to be on the brink of elimination tomorrow? Because that game four starter has not been announced yet for either side. And the losing team has to really evaluate what they want to do there. Because you could argue, let's let's take each side here. Let's say the Giants were to drop tonight's game. I would have every desire to want to throw Logan Webb in a game that you have to win a game four. Now, you'd love to have him hang on so you could have him for game five if you're up 2-1. But if you're down, do you feel the desire and the need, the necessity to pitch your hottest pitcher who did great against the Dodgers on Friday night on short rest. Vice versa, if you're the Dodgers and you lose tonight, you then would have lost home field advantage again. You would be in a situation where you have to win two in a row, but you have to win game four. Do you go back to Walker Bueller on short rest, who um, you know gave up the two-run home run early to Posey in game one and gave up, some more runs in that series or in that game. So I think that's where tonight's game is the swing. Not to the overall outcome of the series, because I think either team, whoever's down 2-1, the other team can win two in a row. They've shown that all year. They can beat that other team twice. It just it, it puts so much pressure on the opposing organization, the opposing manager, to make that decision on what they're doing for that game four, which is tomorrow. I mean, I think that's what... Um, tonight's winner has in play. They got a game in pocket. They put the other team in a pressure situation. It may be something they don't normally do. And I really want to see what the losing manager will decide to do after the game, what their choice is. Um, We still haven't had one game in this series that really came down to the last at bat. I still think that's coming or the final inning or the deep part of the bullpen, these all have already been decided at this point um, with the Giants winning 4 nothing, and then the Dodgers opening that one up with a with a 9-2 win. So I got to believe we're going to, especially if you think about the regular season, how many great matchups the two teams had in a 10-9 series advantage that was won by the Giants. That one different win put them with one more win than the Dodgers. But how many games came down to the end? You had some great drama throughout the season. I think back to a guy like Mike Talkman who was added, who had that robbery in L.A. earlier in the year. You had Posey beating out a hit um, late in the year. You had Will Smith hitting a walk-off during the season against the Giants. So you had late-game drama. You've had Jansen have all sorts of issues against the Giants, specifically at home. That whole series, he was a mess. So I still think those kind of things that have we haven't had that drama yet with the back end of the bullpen for the Dodgers, I still think is very capable of happening. 
And the Giants are the kind of team that puts so much pressure on you because they put the ball in play. There's a good hitting team. They obviously hit the ball out of the park as they did in game one where it left the yard three times. And I, I got to wonder, too, how just the range of emotions, knowing in a five-game series it just seems everything is elevated. I mean, the Giants and their fans had to feel great after winning game one. And then I saw someone tweet, which is a reality, but they were leaving game two and said, I hope this isn't the last Giants game this year at home. And I thought, well, oh, yeah, I guess it could be. Dodgers come home and win both. It's over. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen, but that's how, how fragile a five-game series can be. You win game one, you set a great tone, you get dominant pitching, you get three home runs from – I mean, think about that. You got it from Posey early, you got Crawford at the end, and Bryant, who hadn't really been hitting home runs. Passes. You get that, and that was huge. Absolutely huge. It was a tailor-made Giants win. And then you get into game two looking for icing, trying to just put so much pressure on the defending champs and your rival – and you lose, which doesn't, doesn't end anything. But then you think, man, if we go down to L.A., which the Giants have been a great road team, the Dodgers are crazy hot at home, they may not be coming back to San Francisco. So that's how quickly a five-game series can change. And if you think about the overall baseball picture, the way a lot of these series are looking, um, they are getting extended. I mean, you've got the Braves and Brewers at 2-1. You got the White Sox and Astros at 2 1, and the game that's uh, just begun, the Rays and Red Sox at 2 1. So the Dodgers and Giants are going to be there. It's what will be the X factor today? Who will be the difference? And when you go to starting pitching, which we do a lot in the postseason, this is an opportunity for Wood to really state his claim as someone that kind of falls into that Giants lore, right? Scherzer only had the one opportunity as a matchup this year against the Giants when he was with the Nationals, and he I think he left in first inning or after one pitch. He, there was, he was not right, and he left the game. So he hasn't faced him as a Dodger, and he's a guy that's a grinder. When he's got his stuff on, he is, he is a handful. He is tough to, to take. I think about the Cardinal game in which he was vulnerable, could have been knocked out early, but he grinded his way through enough effective innings to get the Dodgers in a spot where they could win the game late, and they did, as we know. Saw some reports from him talking about how he was really doing a lot of work on tape and watching some of the things that he felt he found something in his, not necessarily his release point, but with his lower body on his on his delivery that he thinks is really something that's going to benefit him. And those kind of things, when I read that or see that, I don't even know how entirely those elements become true. But if you believe it, that's important. For anybody that's, you know, found a subtle tweak or did something golfing, let's say, for example, and you now think that's the tweak that's solved it, and the rest of the day you hit the ball well, it may not have been that. It might have. But in your mind, you just you have a better frame, mindset, right? And I think if Scherzer believes there was something in the lower body on his release on his form that he thinks will help him in more of his deliverables and what he consistently has done in his great career, then good for him, maybe bad for the Giants. We'll see. But I, I, I look to see if um, LaStella could get something going at the top of the lineup. Posey's been good. Crawford's reliable. I don't think you know the two injuries we wondered about with each side, each first baseman being out, I think Belt's a little bit more damaging to them, even though Muncy had a 
fantastic year. It's just the Dodgers have so many different bats. But this is the spot the Giants have been in so many times this year when people have questioned them, doubted them, had them as the underdog. They have responded every single time. And their record after a loss is really good. And you, you won 107 games. Obviously, you're doing something right. You don't lose many. So it just it's still adding to what has been uh, a great season for the two teams and I think it's going to continue to be an awesome series. And I hope we have one of these that either goes extra innings or down to the last at-bat, something like that. That's This series so far hasn't had that, but I think it's coming, and it may be as soon as tonight. All right, still to come, bottom of the hour, we get into much more of the Raiders and the Niners, the news we told you uh, late in the last hour. looks like Trey Lance has a sprained left knee after his first start in the NFL. He could miss some time. They're going to have more uh, health status on him. Uh, coming up through the week, and the Niners do have a bye at a, at a right time. We'll come back, though, more baseball, some uh, pretty interesting stuff that's happened around the league, in, including some huge allegations in that uh, Astros-White Sox series. We'll let you hear that audio and more as we continue right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. All right, back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Coming up in our next hour, your chance to win the Kings tickets for their home opener. Always trivia question coming your way later next hour. Also at the bottom of the hour, we got to get into the Niners and Raiders from week five. Ugh, a mess for both local teams and the latest news on the injury. Trey Lance sprained left knee. Unfortunate there. It doesn't sound like it's too serious, but here he is getting an opportunity. He, he showed flashes. Just felt like the playbook wasn't all the way uh, – open right and and that's where we get back into and I know we'll debate this a little bit at the bottom of the hour but when people wanted Trey Lance in there let's get him in there let's get him in there his time is coming and then once there's the full grasp of everything I think that's when he and the team will be at its best they weren't yesterday he wasn't yesterday and so Kyle Shanahan thinks he's playing the best guy in this Jimmy G well hopefully Jimmy G will be healthy after the bye week uh this week um all right but let's get into the the baseball playoffs right now uh, it's a must-win for the Tampa Rays. Tampa Bay is the team I thought would come out of the American League, and certainly they still can. Uh, they took game one. Boston bounced back to game two and got an amazing win in game three. They are uh, underway. No score. That is in the bottom of the first from Fenway Park. Earlier today, the Braves get their second win of the series, a 3 nothing win. Jock Peterson hit a three-run home run in the fifth, his second pinch-hit home run in this series. And so Atlanta has a 3 nothing lead on the Brewers. Uh, has a 3 nothing win, excuse me. So a 2-1 series lead. My, my, two prediction to, uh, my prediction for the World Series was the Rays and the Brewers, both teams in trouble right now. Uh, the Astros and White Sox were supposed to play today, game four. That one was washed away. Houston won the first two games, got a lead in game uh, three, but then the White Sox responded with just a an onslaught offensively yesterday and won that game 12 to 6, but I think what has come out of that game has been more more sauce, more talk, right? We got something going on, something uh, really brewing between the two sides here. Let's hear some uh, talk from the Chicago White Sox side about really the difference of what we've seen so far between the Astros at home and the Astros on the road. Yeah, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Uh they've obviously had a reputation of you know, doing some sketchy stuff over there. And, you know, it's just uh, we can say that it's a, 
a little bit of a difference, you know. I think you saw the swings and misses tonight compared to, uh, you know, the first two games of Minimate. But that's not really the story, you know. Um, we come here to play. You know, we're going to compete. We're not even going to worry about what they're going to do. Um, all we have to do is execute pitches, and they can't hit them anyways. Okay. Well, I mean, you can't just say that and say that's – it doesn't really matter. We're here to play. And compete. You, when Ryan Tapera drops that, um, I mean, he's implying what we've all seen that they've done before and still uh, accusing them of doing it now. I do appreciate that level of trolling. Yeah? Yeah. The whole, hey, the story isn't the Astros' well-known cheating before and maybe currently <laughs> after, but that's not the story. I don't want to talk all. about that. I don't want to bring that up. I just was saying it, but I don't, I don't really want to address that. But then people start to look at the numbers and say, yeah, like as he suggested, 16 uh, strikeouts, but also the swing and misses, uh, 16 strikeouts yesterday, uh, 16 the first two games combined. Okay, maybe there's something there, but also could your pitching have been better? An off night, who knows? And there's a lot of things there, but I think you can probably throw anything towards the Astros and people would buy that right now. Uh, let's hear Dusty Baker kind of counter that and talks about uh, those are really big allegations. Well, those are some heavy accusations, you know, um, I mean, we're about the same runs, OPS, and everything as we are, well, actually better on the road than we are at home. And uh, so uh, then I I think they're actually better at home than they are, you know, on the road. And so um, I don't have much, you know, response to that other than I was listening to Eric Clapton this morning. And... Uh, and he has a song, um, you know, before you accuse me, you need to take a look at yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's all I got to say. That's right, Dusty. You let him know. You let him know. Um, I love Dusty. Rooting for him, not necessarily for the Astros. Um, in this situation, I don't know anymore. If, if Houston were to come and win this series and win the American League Championship Series and win the World Series, Chris, I don't know at what point people will, I don't know, say get over that. I don't, I'm not saying they have to, but I think people assume that they cheated here. I think the only way people will get away from it is if every single player that was on that World Series winning team was off the team. Right, that whole group. But even then, it's, it's going to be a troll. Uh, opposing fans are always going to bring that up. Oh, yeah, the fans for sure. The fans for sure. And, I mean, it is a little bit ironic that the numbers were different, uh, that drastically different. But they still scored a bunch of runs. The difference was the White Sox hit the ball like crazy. I mean, they just had a big offensive day. I like it. It it brings a little more spice to that series. And uh, now we go to game four again with that series 2-1 in favor um, of the Chicago – or, excuse me, of the Houston Astros. So the White Sox had to win. They did. We've got a must-win today for the Rays. They're at Fenway, and that series is 2-1 Boston. They make their way to the second inning, and then, of course, people are going to be watching and following and intrigued all in on uh, Alex Wood versus Max Scherzer tonight, game three of uh, of that great, great series. Also, here's the thing. The reason why fans are absolutely trashing the Astros is because of Major League Baseball. And Major League Baseball does this thing of where they do absolutely no type of investigation, 
until the scandal comes up in the press. Right. And that's what it was. That's what we saw it with them. That's what we saw with the Red Sox, which no one wants to talk about anymore. And they kind of just skated free while everyone just trashes the Astros. And on top of that, the whole uh, uh, sticky substance, what was that called? The uh, Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Spider yeah, grip. Yep. That didn't become a thing until there was a story in The Athletic showing all these different changes in, in ball spin rates. And then that's when baseball decided to do anything. They're never proactive. They're always reactive to these type of situations. Yeah, very reactionary. And then the fans get their chance to have their say. And I felt like, you're right, nobody wanted to let Houston off the hook. And I'm not saying they should have been. But people hated the way Houston's management handled it. Remember their weird, goofy press conference? And I think it was just Bregman and um, Altuve that spoke. And it just it didn't come off well. And... You're right. Then Boston has the same thing kind of going on around the same time, but it's like nobody even really paid attention to it. And they won the World Series. <laughs> right. It was literally the same exact thing, but everyone just kind of forgets about it. Yeah, just a bizarre circumstance. But you're right. Baseball is going to say, well, nobody's really paying attention, so we won't talk about it until people start paying attention. And then they try to not necessarily cover it up, but find a way to make it look less damaging, you know, damage control. They didn't do a very good job on this one. And then Houston's still feeling the ramifications, and then you can have a closer or a reliever like Ryan Tapera just mention it, and then people will see. I don't even know if any of it, there's any facts behind it. He could just say it, and then there's those. There's still going to be people that believe that. So we'll see. We'll keep you up to date, though, on these baseball playoff games as they go along while we go along. When we come back, we got to get into the Niners and the Raiders. Their losses yesterday in Week 5. We'll do that when we come back here on Sports 1140 KHTK. Back here on Sports 1140, KHDK. Jason Ross here with you. Got another hour of the show coming up at 5.30. It'll be game night. Scott Marsh and the High Flyer. Henry Turner will have that as we have Kings basketball tonight. The Kings in Portland against the Blazers. Again, reminder on uh, those that are not playing tonight. Looks like Lillard, McCollum, Powell, Ben McLemore, Snell, Zeller all sitting out for the Blazers for the uh, Kings. Bagley, Tristan Thompson, Buddy Heald, Halliburton amongst the list of those that uh, are not scheduled to play tonight for Luke Walton. Uh, as far as the NFL this weekend, we've got to dive in here to the Raiders and the 49ers. We'll start with the Niners. And, again, news that we were talking about here moments ago about the injury to Trey Lance. Word from the 49ers camp, Trey Lance has a sprained left knee. Um, doesn't sound like it's too drastic, but the Niners have a bye this week. They could use that. Maybe Jimmy G is back. Uh, there was thought, thought last week, remember, with his calf injury that he may return, but he ended up not practicing. They've also put Kittle on the injury list. I mean, this team is in a bad way with the injuries, and it's really started from last year, carried into week one. Uh, but yesterday, an opportunity, going to Arizona, an undefeated team, Niners going there, thinking they could uh, give them a loss, stop the two-game losing streak. Well, instead, here's how it played out. Now the losing streak's at three. He takes the snap. He takes a knee. To be a championship team, you have to find different ways to win. Weeks one through four, primarily the Cardinals won with their offense. Today, they won with their defense and some timely plays offensively as they move to 5-0 for the first time since 1974. 
with a 17 win over the 49ers. Well, a couple things from this game. That was Dave Pash from the Arizona Cardinals radio network. As he said, 5-0, NFL's only undefeated team. This would have been a really good win for the Niners on, on a couple of levels. One, handing Arizona a loss. It would make you feel even better about Trey Lance and his uh, progress. Um, but now it's a three-game losing streak, and you're 2-3, and three, and the 49ers still have not played their best football, and the question is why. Why aren't they playing their best football? Logic tells me it's the injuries. I think that's a huge part of it. I think that's why we haven't seen them be complete. Now, yesterday, their defense gave them a chance. They really did. Arizona's been averaging 30-plus points per game. It's been one of the best offenses in the NFL. And to hold them to 17, remember, they got that last score, I don't know, it was about five, six minutes to go to get them to 17. So what went wrong in this game? I I feel like a couple of things you have to look at that derailed the 49ers and again, it kind of asks the question why. I'm a huge believer and a huge fan of the play calling and the scheme to set up success that Kyle Shanahan delivers on, on most of a game basis. You look at what they did on third and fourth down yesterday. I know a lot of highlight on, on the fourth down because they were, what, one of five. But third down stats were brutal. Three of 11 on third down, one of five on fourth down. And part of what they where their failures came in to me was the inability to utilize the entire playbook and Trey Lance it just felt like so many times the play was designed just for him to run and he has that ability and is that because he doesn't have the full grasp of the offense and it was what his first pass sailed on him for an interception they got to him a couple times on a couple of sacks but it just felt like their best chance for play success was either Trey Lance running or gimmick plays. I mean, Mitchell, it was good to have him back. Elijah Mitchell did some good things. The touchdown run was the the sweep to or the snap to Samuel, to Debo, and he went from, what, 10, 11 yards out, something like that. So without Kittle, without all their necessary pieces, and without a full grasp of what, a Kyle Shanahan offense is, I just, they battled. They did They did the things, all, all the things you wanted. They probably just needed a couple more big plays to happen, whether that was defensively or offensively. And the defense, to hold them to that few points, Kyler Murray and a, and a fully healthy Cardinal offense, defense gave them a chance. Offense let them down yesterday. And let's hear Kyle Shanahan talk about Trey's performance. I thought he did some really good things. Definitely wasn't perfect, which no one ever has been. Um, that first pick, I thought just sailed on him. He was going to the right spot, but just got away from him on that first drive. I mean, you know, overall, you know, I think if we could have done a little bit better around him, uh, I thought he did good enough to win. They had the, that drive early in the game, time-consuming, kind of well-positioned, all good things that were happening in that drive, and yet then they didn't get points. That was one of those fourth downs at the goal line. I mean, that was an amazing play. Just talk about – uh, inches from getting in the end zone. But Trey Lance went aggressively, took on two, and was denied right there at the goal line. And so that's what we talk about when we were debating all of this in the summer and as the season was arriving. When you hear Kyle Shanahan saying, we're going to use Trey Lance in goal line packages, short situations, but Jimmy G is our quarterback because he has a, a broader scope and a broader sense 
of the entirety of the offense. And I think there, you can see what the ability will ultimately be for Trey Lance when he's right and when he's just got the game down. We have to remember, too, for him, he barely played any college football. So he ha- doesn't have a lot of reps there. Now he's getting thrown into the best league possible where defensive coordinators are trying to trick it for him as well. And I'm excited about what his future will be. It's just we're, we're waiting for him to, to live it and go through it in real time. And we all want the deliverables right now. It's just it's not here yet. Let's hear a little bit more about Shanahan on Trey Lance. I'll see when I look on the tape, but I, mean, I didn't really have just one thing. Uh, I wanted him to go out there and play like he's been doing in practice and be comfortable around the offense, and especially in a tough environment like that, um, one that he hasn't ever been in before, and for the most part, I thought he did it. Yeah, 16 carries, 89 yards. His stat line for a quarterback, 15 of 29. Uh, interception, got sacked a couple times, threw for 192. But he would be better off if Debo, uh, not Debo, if George Kittle was healthy. Um, he's not. Health. This team's got to get healthy. they got a bye week. I think that's important for them. Uh, then they get the Colts in Sunday night football, followed by the Bears and then the Cardinals again. So getting getting bodies healthy, um, this team is still a good team to me. Defense gave them a chance. Um, I thought the week prior we talked a lot about that loss to the Seahawks, the missed opportunities from the offense in the first part of that game when they held Seattle first five possessions to three and out, didn't capitalize there. So we haven't seen the Niners play their best football yet, I don't think. Uh, beating the Lions, they looked really good early, but then fizzled. Had the win against the Eagles, but they just they weren't great that day. I, I liked the comeback on the Packers. That was that was probably feeling like, okay, this is going to be a 3-0 team until Aaron Rodgers saved his best for, what, the final 40 seconds of the game, and then you got the last two weeks. And so now three losses in a row. I'm sure they'll watch tonight's Monday night football game to see what the Colts look like, and then uh, enjoy the bye, get right, get healthy, healthier, because they're not going to be all the way healthy, and then uh, attack the Colts and attack the next portion of this schedule with or without Trey Lance, who, as we said, sprained left knee. Let's hear Trey Lance uh, give his opinion on his first start. Defense kept us in it, for sure. I mean, that offense is very explosive, make a lot of big plays, and our defense definitely gave us a shot. So we got to capitalize. Uh, got to do better, uh, make more plays. Uh, obviously disappointed. Uh, wanted, really really wanted to win that game. But we're going to keep our heads up, learn from it, learn as much as I can, get as better as I can from it, and excited for, for next week. And, again, I think this is something I said from the first time I heard him talk. Um, fan of him. I think he's got the right mix, at least what we get to see. Right, what we're, what's delivered to us through the media, uh, the right mix of confidence and the right mix of um, kind of I'm still new at this and I need to learn, I need to get better, the hunger. He, he's got it. He's got the right approach. And even when Jimmy G is there and is the starting quarterback, seems like he's a good supporter of him, trying to learn on the sideline. And, you know, the Niners, as we've said all along with this, all these rookies that are in, some of the other teams, you're as good as your best option. And the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Jets, go down the list of these rookie quarterbacks. The, the rookie quarterback's the best option. I still don't think Trey Lance is the best option if everything's right for the 49ers. Right now, out of situation, out of circumstance, Jimmy G is banged up. So you go to Trey Lance, and he's got to make the most of that opportunity. This has to be a learning experience for him. He got a chance to see live action, a different defense, for four quarters. And this is the stuff that's going to pay off in the long term for him and for the 49ers. So 
it's a it's a tough spot to lose three in a row. I think if you start to look at the scope of the division, they're still definitely in this. And not that you root for things like this, but the injury to Russell Wilson should really hurt Seattle. I know Geno Smith came in and, and played effectively enough on Thursday night, but you still have two more games against the Rams. You still play Arizona again, and there's still a long way to go. I mean, two and three tied with Seattle. Seattle has the edge on you because they beat you, but they have a player that probably means more to them than just about any player on any team in Russell Wilson. So I can envision the Seahawks having a tough go here without Wilson for, what, six to eight weeks? This could be a team that's in in major trouble without him. So the Niners just have to worry about themselves and learn from these things that have happened these last couple of games. All right, so we switch from the 49ers to the Raiders. And this one was a bad loss. No way around it. Chicago Bears, not a great team. More specifically, not a great offense. And what I had said on Friday when looking at this game is that I like the Raiders in this game for a couple of reasons. One, going against Justin Fields, a rookie quarterback. Uh, Two, the Bears don't score. They have trouble scoring, and the Raiders haven't had trouble scoring. So the Raiders can live in the neighborhood of 27, 28, 30 points, get in that range. They're going to win this football game. And I think that proved to be right. It's just the Raiders couldn't get there. Raiders didn't get a passing touchdown at all from Derek Carr, who's been playing great football, not yesterday. Uh, Yet another slow start. Raiders have been talking about that. They've been the worst first-quarter team in the NFL, and they scored three in the first quarter. And they just were off all game long. They had some uncharacteristic drops. Waller had at least one or two. Edwards had one where he was wide open and just completely dropped it. Um, Mistakes, penalties again, and just off their game, completely off their game. They deserved to lose. And the Bears were better yesterday. And I don't think that's a great football team by any stretch of the imagination. So the Raiders had a loss the week before where you go, all right, that was probably more based on the slow start against the Chargers. Really regrouped and had a chance late, but the Chargers won, and that's a good team. This one felt like a bad loss. They're, like The Niners have some built-in reasons, whether you call them excuses or reasons, why they lost. The Raiders, what? why? Why did this happen? 20-9, to nine, not really a great chance to win the game. Uh, down 14-3 to three at the half and just never really regrouped, never really showed that they belonged with the Bears. And there's going to be much more difficult games coming up for this Raider team. And certainly they need to play much better than this. And for the Raiders' defense, they'll give up 20 points. That's okay. I expected the offense to thrive in this game. The Bears' defense is good. They also didn't have all their weapons. Damian Williams, Khalil Herbert, they were the guys that had to run for them. Uh, And they got it done. They absolutely got it done. The Raiders, too, uh, when we talk to Lincoln Kennedy, and we'll visit with him on Wednesday, we'll talk about the run game or the lack thereof. The, The best run game they had was two games ago with against the Dolphins when Peyton Barber went over 100. I know they're really trying to make this work with Jacobs. 15 more carries, 48 yards. He did score, but there's nothing dynamic with the run game right now. And I don't know if this is becoming a personnel issue with the running backs or if this is an offensive line issue. 
know, Leatherwood hasn't been their top pick, hasn't been great, hasn't graded well in some of his schemes offensively. Um, Renfro, who I thought they targeted, excuse me, not Renfro, Waller, who they targeted way too many times week one. Now they've been more balanced. We mentioned him having a few drops. Um, just couldn't get anything going. 200 yards passing, that's way below the normal for Carr and for this offense. It was just an awful day all the way around for the Raiders uh, at home to the Chicago Bears. Now the other part of it, I don't know how to quantify this, how much of a factor this was at all for the Raiders, uh, but John Gruden, the story about him on Friday with some uh, disparaging emails back in 2011, uh, some with some racial tones, some um, towards the league office and Roger Goodell, just all of it was a terrible look for him. And I know there's been a lot of talk about how the NFL can handle this and approach this and what should be the repercussions. Uh, What a lot of the NFL, I would say, insiders have said is this is a tricky one for the league because at the time he was not a league employee. He was not working for the Raiders or Tampa Bay or anyone else. He was a broadcaster. Now, it's still a bad look. It's still really something that Gruden should be ashamed of. The league shouldn't be um, condoning by any means, and they're not. But what can you do? What are the ramifications? I know that's something that they were talking about in some of their weekly league front office type meetings today. But uh, as far as the Raiders go, how much of a distraction was it? That's tough to quantify. But I know that John Gruden uh, was getting um, asked a lot of questions about it. Here is uh, Coach Gruden after the game. All I can say is I, I'm not a racist. I don't. I can't uh, tell you how sick I am. I apologize again to, to to D. Smith, but I feel good about who I am and what I've done my entire life. I apologize for the insensitive remarks I had. Uh, I had no racial intentions with those remarks at all. But um, yes, they can. I'm I'm not like that at all. But I apologize. I don't want to keep addressing it. I don't know where the league goes with this. I really don't know what they can do. Um, I I know. There's a lot of different thoughts on this. I know he's had support from his players, current players. I think that one's a little bit tricky, though. I don't want to dismiss. you got to take people for their word, right, when when they say what they offer up to anybody publicly. Let's also remember that John Gruden is in, what, year four of a 10-year deal and has about as much job security as you possibly can have. Nobody's bulletproof. We know that. But – if it's a decision between John Gruden and a player that's playing for him and a player that's playing for him is not supportive of his coach, who's going to be around tomorrow? Likely John Gruden, unless the league does something about this. So um, it's a terrible look for him. I will say this. I've never heard that said about him. Doesn't I mean, we none of us are ever privy to really know someone unless we know them. You know, behind closed doors um, or even what has been said in other Things. I thought it was interesting last night watching the Sunday night game, Football Night in America, and Mike Tirico, who worked with him for a long, long time, uh, did feel comfortable enough to offer his own opinion and his own journey and considered him one of his closest friends and people he's ever worked with and just said he'd never seen a shred of that. But that, again, nobody truly knows. But obviously that stuff was detailed and said and written in an email that, that just – was all in poor taste and should have never happened. And, and Gruden, I know, since has apologized. I, d- I don't know what that will do for 
the relationship with his players. But right now, I feel like those players have gone out of their way to, to be in support of him. But, again, I, I think we have to be careful on that because he is the coach with a 10-year contract in a sport that has non-guaranteed contracts for its players. So um, I'm sure the last thing Gruden wants to do is talk about it anymore. He wants to move on. And if the league does nothing about it, that's probably what will end up happening is you just move on and you just go forward. Um, but in this day and age, we got to be better. And I know this was done 10 years ago, but we all have to be better. Can we just be better? Let's be better at life. Let's be better. So he knows better, I believe. Um, let's be better. That's for sure. So for the Raiders, how can they get better? This is one that a quick turnaround for them, not quick in as far as amount of games. They don't have the bye week. They get Denver this week. And Denver lost last week, so they're also a little bit um, after that great start. They've had a, they've stumbled here the last couple of weeks. This is one that it can be kind of the get-right game for the Raiders because if you get back and you beat the Broncos, all right, everything's kind of been restored. You're 4-2. and two, You beat a division team. You probably justify, like, hey, the Bears game is just a bad game. We lost to a good Charger team. We're good. We're back on track. Then you get the Eagles at home and then a bye week. I mean, there's some there's some games here that are favorable coming up for the Raiders. They just got to take care of business and get back to the realm. If we think about the way they were playing the first three weeks, what were we talking about? A spectacular offense, right? Uh, improved defense, but a special offense led by Derek Carr. The last two weeks, Carr's just been so-so at best. So if they can get back to a spectacular version of Derek Carr, find a semblance of a running game, and spread the wealth offensively, I think the defense has been better. It really has been universally all the way through. Even you look at what the, the points they gave up to the Chargers, there were some missed opportunities there. And even the Chargers yesterday, man, this is Chargers are a good football team. And we're going to talk about who had the best and worst of the weekend next in our next segment. Chargers are certainly going to be on that list because that was a fantastic game with the Bears or with the Browns and the Chargers. And I think more and more people are becoming big-time fans of Justin Herbert because he has gone from the rookie sensation to, no, he's not only uh, one of those up-and-coming quarterbacks, he's, he's here. He is doing it each and every week. So the Raiders have seen him. They still have to see Mahomes a couple times. There is a long way to go. We say this all the time. We change opinions on these teams each and every week based on their performance, based on health, based on uh, how individuals have played and how they look. You know, surprising wins happen. Weird losses happen. And I think that Raider loss, not necessarily a weird one, just how poorly they played. Didn't really have a chance to beat the Bears. And Chicago got out of there with a win with a, a crowd that seemed to be very supportive of Chicago. Here's Matt Nagy after the game, and this is the difference between Gruden and him. Here's a here's a happy coach in Matt Nagy. Just super proud of our players, our coaches, our fans, everybody. This was one of the one of my favorite team wins because it was so complimentary. Just across the board, everybody. Uh, our coaches did a heck of a job of getting the guys ready. Well, they were, and they were the better team yesterday. So congrats to the Bears. Raiders have to figure it out when they get the Broncos this week. So still to come in our next segment uh, as we lead you up to game night with Scott Marsh and the high flyer Henry Turner. We're going to give you the best and worst of the NFL through another week five of action. And when we come back, we're going to have your chance to win a pair of tickets to see the Sacramento Kings open up their 21-22 season against the Utah Jazz on October 22nd 
at the Golden One Center. For tickets and more information, visit cagedecay.com. But we got a trivia question to start that 5 o'clock hour. Get on the lines now at 1-800-920-1140, 1-800-920-1140 for your chance to win Kings tickets. We'll do that when we come back here on Sports 1140 KHDK.